So we're um, in the middle of our series titled Dave, looking at the life of King David. David, the psalmist, is our subject for today. He was Israel's most successful king. He was known for his military exploits, but had an incredible creative streak. He wrote over 70 of the Psalms in the Bible, which are songs in the middle section of the Bible. Many of these songs give us an insight into David's heart. But before we look at that, we need to go back in time and just remind ourselves of what happened in the history of the nation of Israel. You see, the people of Israel were led for many years by people called judges. And these people would judge the nation. They would look after the nation and guide them in certain ways. But as the nation looked on, they saw that they were different every other nation because they didn't have a king. You see, the whole idea was that God was their king and it was him that led them out in battle. It was him that gave them wisdom. It was him that gave them guidance. But the people kept asking and asking for a king. And so God spoke to Samuel, who was the current judge, and God's mouthpiece, prophet of the nation. And he said, anoint a man named Saul. So Saul became king and was very successful in the early days. But deep down, he had a root of insecurity. And this led him to making some very poor decisions by going against some of the very specific commands of God. God removed his favor from Saul, and he became possessed with an evil spirit that tormented him. And so we pick up our story in 1 Samuel 16, which is kind of about 200 pages into the Bible in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel 16, let me read it to you. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill up your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do this? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a bull with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came, trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, the oldest, and he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimei. But Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons that you have? 
There's still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So, so Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome and had beautiful eyes. How nice. <laughs> and the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. God was in search of a new king. And in the Old Testament, an official anointing, as the Bible calls it, with oil, was a rite of inauguration into three typical offices. The first office was that of a prophet. Prophets were people who were, were God's mouthpiece in their time, who would speak on behalf of God to the nation. An example of this anointing was Elisha being anointed by Elijah in the Old Testament. Elijah was a prophet, and he passed on that anointing to be God's mouthpiece to Elisha. The second type of anointing officially was a priestly anointing. And high priests from generation to generation were anointed as a new high priest came into office. And thirdly, the office of king. And sometimes those kings were anointed more than once. In fact, David was anointed three times. God was looking for a new type of king. God was looking for a heart after him. And David throughout the Bible is referred to as a man after God's own heart. So my question as I was processing this was, what was the difference between David compared to his brothers? What did he have on his brothers? And over the history of Israel, God had a habit of revealing his character and his heart to those who followed him by revealing one of his many names. So here's a fun fact for you. My first name is not actually Pete or Peter. My name is Simon Peter McCallan, the apostle. <laughs> ah, ah, so funny. I'm, I'm a dad now, so I can tell dad jokes. It's, it's <laughs> Simon, which I'm only called when I go to doctors or dentists, and I tend to look around and wonder who they're talking to. Simon means he has heard. Peter means rock. And McCallan is Scottish. <laughs> I don't know what it means. Back in the day, my rapping name was MC Allen. Uh, oh. But as I've got three names, or you may have four, I don't know. I'm pulling them all out today. In the same way, God has got many names. Because he's God, he's allowed to have more names. And he's revealed many of these names over time. The first name God ever gave himself to us, to call him, was Elohim. And that name meant God. The second name he gave was Yahweh. And that name means Lord. The third name is Elion, which means the most high God. The fourth, Adonai, which means Lord or Master. The fifth is El Shaddai, which means Lord God Almighty. And the sixth is El Olam, which means the everlasting God. These first six names refer to God in his greatness. Then we go to three more names. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner of victory. And these three names talk about what God can do for us because he provides, he heals, and he is our banner of victory. 
Then we have two more names. These are Elkanah, which means jealous God, and Jehovah Mikodeshkem, the Lord who sanctifies us. And these names talk about God calling us in and purifying us. Then God reveals two more names, Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace, and Jehovah Shabbath, which means the Lord of hosts. 13 names by the time we get to this book of 1 Samuel. And then there is a 14th name. And this name first appears in a psalm, a well-known psalm, a psalm written by King David, titled Psalm 23. And the name God reveals is Jehovah Ra, which means the Lord is my shepherd, to feed, to supply with food, to be a good friend, providing nourishment. And to this point, this is the most personalized name God reveals of himself in the Old Testament. I believe David had a new revelation of God. He would have known about the names of God describing his greatness and his powerful hands and his sanctification and his peace and his provision. But David was the first person who described God as shepherd. And I believe as he tended and cared for the sheep on the lonely hills of Bethlehem, he began to see something of God's heart. He had little responsibility. I mean, he was leading, but he was leading sheep, not people. But in that lonely leadership, he saw the heart of God. And I believe that is the heart of a father. Jesus himself describes himself as the good shepherd, going after that one sheep that's lost its way. This is the heart of the Father because Jesus spoke only what the Father told him. So David knew God as shepherd and father. And I believe David was a man after God's own heart because he simply, and this is so simple but so true, he simply wanted to know the heart of God. Tim Keller, who's a famous preacher in the US, has written a book on prayer, and he states this. The Apostle Paul, who's a writer in the New Testament, reveals what he asks most frequently for his friends, what he believed was the most important thing God could give him. What is that? It is to know him, to know him better. Paul explained this with color and detail. It means having the eyes of the heart enlightened. Biblically, the heart is the control center of the entire self. And Keller continues, he says, it is the repository of one's core commitments, deepest loves, and most foundational hopes that control our feelings, our thinking, and our behavior. To have the eyes of the heart enlightened with a particular truth means to have it penetrate and grip us so deeply that it changes the whole person. David's desire was to know him better. And we can learn much from David's heart because it is this that made him the man who he was in the Bible. And, and so the question I've got for you and the question I've been asking myself and the question as a worship team we've been asking ourselves recently is do we want God for what he can do for us? Because it's okay to ask God for help. Or do we want him 
to know him, to know him better. Do I want God for his provision? Or do I want God because he is God? David didn't have an easy life. We've talked about it already from this platform in this series, and we probably will again. But even in his early years, he was shunned by his brothers. He was rejected by his dad, Jesse, who didn't even bother bringing him out. In fact, it was the lowliest task to look after the sheep. And in Psalm 27, David comments on this. He says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. And I want to just say to you, some of you have been rejected and forsaken by your father or your mother or your brother or your sister or by people, husbands or wives even. But the Lord will take you in. And I want to encourage you this morning that whether you feel fatherless or fathered, motherless or mothered, God the Father wants to embrace you and shepherd you. And it doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're 90 or 9, the Father still wants to father you. And I believe David became significant because he had the hallmarks of his heavenly Father all over him. Now, I'd love to share with you a story. It's about a man named Jason Upton. And Jason Upton is what I would call a modern-day psalmist and songwriter and worship leader. And um, he's the guy who wrote the song we've been singing recently, Seek First. House Fires have done a version which is slightly better. Um, but Jason's the guy who wrote it way back. And he, he tells this story of when he was put up for adoption when he was very young. He describes himself and he says that he was the product of evangelism gone bad. And he says that his mum got saved and she decided to evangelize this guy, but instead he evangelized her into the bed. Jason was the product of this relationship and all sorts of people were encouraging her to get rid of this child. But somehow deep inside, she felt that he had legitimacy as a little child. And so this messed up lady, teenager, prayed this prayer over him as a little boy, and then put him up for adoption. At the top of the, the adoption paper, she attached a prayer of a letter with prayers on it that was never to be opened, only unless her son wanted to open it. And she prayed these prayers. At the top, she said this, One thing I ask of the Lord, this I will seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And I will see you there, Stephen. I will see you, Stephen. You see, Stephen was the name that she had given her son, Jason. She wrote wisdom and prayers and psalms and songs at the top of this page and made a statement, God will keep this covenant between me and you while I am away from you. When he was 13 years old, Jason was asked by his adoptive parents, what would you like for your, your birthday? And they were thinking maybe a BMX or some sort of game or anything. And he said, I'd love to have a Bible. He had this weird, unusual hunger for the Word of God, and he devoured it. In his early 30s, Jason decided to call up social services and ask for this file, and the first thing they sent him was this letter of prayers. She, though messed up, had faith enough for this young child to be adopted and believe that God would finish the work that he began in her son even though she couldn't care for him. She believed he had purpose, that he was legitimate. And every prayer that she prayed came to pass and more. She prayed that he would be a worshipper. He became a worship leader. 
that he would seek the face of God, that as a young man, he would be filled with the wisdom of heaven, that he would love the word of God. And so it came time for Jason to finally, after several letters to his mum back and forward, to call his mum. And he called her. And he said, hi, mum. This is your son, Jason, Jason Upson. And this lady burst into tears and couldn't control herself for several minutes. Eventually, she handed the phone over to her husband, and her her husband said, look, can you call us back? Can you just give us half an hour, and, and we'll call you back? And this dear lady called back and began to tell this story to her son, Jason Upson. Years after the birth of Stephen, she used to go to a priest once a week. She was heavily depressed. She would always pray for Stephen, that if he was still alive, that God would give him a passion for the word and that he would somehow know God. During these times, the priest, with the priest, there was this music playing in the background. And it used to comfort her soul. She would go back to her work and to her day life and she'd sink back into depression and seem to never get better. Then she'd go back to this priest again, week after week, and find comfort. A few weeks in, the priest said, why is it that you seem to be uplifted and fine when you're here and then then you sink back? What is it? And she thought about it for some time and realized that it was the music that was playing in the background that would comfort her soul. So the priest burned a copy of the album and anyone who's a musician knows you don't need to bother doing that anymore because there's something called streaming out there now. And wherever she went, she put it in her car and played it on the CD player and Over time, the depression completely lifted and she was healed healed and whole and made complete. And this is the heart of our father. Little did she know that as she was praying for her son, as this worship music was playing, it was her son, Stephen, Jason, who was singing over her on this recording. Her son was leading her into the presence of God way before she even knew that it was him. Isn't that incredible? This is the heart of the father. So when she answered this phone, expecting to speak to Stephen, she broke down in tears, realizing that it was Jason Upton, this man now who had been ministering over her for months as she got healed from this depression. God already answered this prayer way before she even prayed it. And Jason Upton speaks about this revelation of the spirit of adoption. And he says this, it's not good music that breaks the yoke. It is the anointing of Jesus that breaks the yoke and sets us free. All through the Bible, God used people who didn't have a clue, who didn't have all the answers and who didn't really know anything They had no strategy. Their only strategy was, God, I lift my eyes on you. God raised up generations of sons and daughters, not a generation of superstars. Jesus was worth everything to God. Jesus was the ultimate warrior, the ultimate pastor, the ultimate intercessor, the ultimate worship leader, and the ultimate teacher. Not because Jesus was the ultimate superstar, but because Jesus was the ultimate son. And so too can we, 
as sons and daughters of our living heavenly Father. I believe David understood what it felt to be adopted as a son of God. And it was out of this place that he was able to write inspired songs that has lasted generation after generation after generation. So we continue this this passage in verse 13, 1 Samuel 16, 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. David was anointed to be king. Other versions say that the spirit of God rushed upon him. You see, David had the heart And this heart enabled him to love and lead the people of Israel as a father. But to complete his commission, he needed empowerment. And David came before God as he was, but was transformed by God's presence into the man God had called him to be. And let me say this to you, you and I, to accomplish all that God has called us to do in life, we need the empowerment, the anointing, of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we see the change and the shift in David's ministry from being a shepherd boy on the hill who wrote words to God and songs to being someone who was empowered. We continue in verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Samuel and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let's find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be made well again. Okay, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. I find it fascinating that from the time of being a shepherd boy on the hill to the time of being called into Saul's service, his reputation changed because of the anointing of God. My third point is this, that David's reputation and influence grew. I believe David flowed in such an anointing that his reputation grew over the whole of Israel, that he was known as a man who had God's stamp of approval. And today, church, we need people like that in our day and age who have got good reputation and influence in the places that we work, that we serve, in our homes, in our families, in the streets that we live down, in the cities that we live in. We need people of good reputation who carry that presence of God into every situation. It's not just up here that we do it. It's everywhere. God has called us to gather and then go. We have Sundays so we can gather and we need this. And then we're called to go and be the light of the world, shining on a hill. Verse 19, so Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say this, send me your son David the shepherd. Jesse responded, by sending David to Saul, along with lots of gifts. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, please let this man David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. 
And when the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. Other versions say that Saul was refreshed and was made well, and the harmful spirit departed. As a musician, I find it really interesting that David didn't even sing. Now, we love singing in church. It's good to sing. It's good for our bodies. It's good for our souls. It's good for our minds. But he simply played to create an atmosphere for God to move. And this is what we do as worship team, you know. We want to set an atmosphere for God to move. That's why we start with worship, so that we can set the atmosphere in this place for God to move, for faith to rise. And David's heart was first to minister to God and then to minister to people. And I believe that the heart of a psalmist is this, service. We read in verse 21 that Saul, David came to serve Saul. And out of this heart of service, of laying himself down, Saul became refreshed in the presence of God. At the start of this message, we talked about anointing and the three official types of anointing in Israel in the Old Testament. The anointing of prophet, of priest, and of king. And in his Psalms, David carries the heart of all three of these. Some of his Psalms are prophetic. You know, the heart of a prophet, the prophet addresses humanity on behalf of God, including words of correction, repentance, and grace. The prophet shows the community the path to follow. And in some of his psalms, David has clear direction. Some of these psalms are priestly. And the heart of a priest, or the language of the priest, is a language of prayer. To gather the community of God together. And to represent man to God. We are called priests in the New Testament. And then other Psalms are kingly. They speak the language of leadership, of justice, and of wisdom. How many know that some of the Psalms have got incredible insight and wisdom? They're like Proverbs, just songs instead. And I believe David as a Psalmist was responsible for the whole picture of God in a time when Israel really, really needed it. They needed stability, and David began to bring that as he became king. David's life was a fragrance. He learned how to carry the presence of God into every situation. And let me say this to you as just a a casual observer now. I believe in our time, when our nation is crying out for, for leadership, we as church need to carry that heart of a psalmist to serve to bring a message which is prophetic, to bring a a word and a, a heart of a priest where we gather people together, and to bring kingly leadership, influence, and wisdom to people around us. And who knows what God will do that? Gathering people together, praying, speaking truth and grace, and leading with diligence. And church, we sometimes think, oh, we're just the church. But we have power and influence beyond what we could ever imagine. 
And in this city, even as we worship in this place, I believe the atmosphere is reset in this city and across other churches as well in this city. For God to move in his power and his presence, who knows if that lady down the road who's washing up in her kitchen is also encountering something of God in that place and her heart is stirred to reach out to God for the first time. We never know what God is doing, but he is moving. And if we take our our stance seriously, I believe he will use us in any way he can because he loves us and he wants to include us. So as we finish what I'm saying here, as we conclude, I'd like us to go to that psalm, Psalm 23. And I'd like us to stand up and I'd like us to read it together because there's power in speaking the word of God, isn't there? Sometimes we need to reset our minds by speaking the truth over ourselves again. And this is a well-known psalm for lots of people. But let's read it together. It will come up on the screen. It will be in your notes. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And what's fascinating about this psalm is in the first four verses, David reveals his understanding of God the Father, the Father who gives us all that we need, the Father who leads us into peaceful places, the Father who renews our strength, the Father who guides us along the right paths. The Father who walks with us in dark times and gives us courage when we may naturally feel afraid. The Father who protects us and guides us. This is the heart of the Father. And David knew this. In the next verse, verse five, David acknowledges God's anointing how God, when He anoints us, He sets us apart and makes real the presence of God in a place where the presence of God wasn't once. And for us in today's language as people who have encountered the cross of Christ, we are now people who can and should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian in this room, wants to come and dwell in your heart and move upon you and empower you for every good work. We can't do it alone, but we can do it under His anointing. I, I used to be scared standing up in front of people, and now I do it okay. <laughs> I get nervous still, but you know, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not experience, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, we all need daily the power of the Holy Spirit. We need that anointing, that fresh infilling. And thirdly, in the sixth verse of this psalm, David talks about the aroma 
of God's presence in all areas of life. His goodness and His love and His mercy surrounding and pursuing Him. And we need that, don't we? And we can expect that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Expect God's love and His empowerment to surround and pursue us and the goodness of God and the favour of God to go before us and to go behind us. So there's three prayers that we can pray today. And I'd like you to pray one of them. You don't have to pray all three, but one of them. And they're simple prayers. The first one says this, Father, that I may know you better. Father, that I may know you better. The second prayer is this, Lord, that I may be filled and daily empowered with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never been baptised in the Holy Spirit before. Let me say to you, there's an opportunity for you today to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. People will gladly pray for you. It's not freaky, but it is empowerment that will change your life. And thirdly, God, that I may change atmospheres and places with your presence. Lord, that I may change atmospheres and places with your presence. So let's close our eyes. Maybe you want to reach out to God in this place and then we're going to sing, but I'm going to pray these prayers over you. And the one that sits the most comfortably or maybe uncomfortably in your heart, pray that prayer. Father, we pray today that we as a people may go after you, not for what you do, but that we want to go after you because we want to know you and to know you better. Lord Jesus, we pray that we may be filled and daily empowered as the people of God with the Holy Spirit. And God, we ask that we may change atmospheres and places with your presence in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.